Hey everybody and welcome to iFreaks episode 2. This week on our panel we have Ben Sherman. Hello from Houston. We also have Rod Schmidt. Hello from Salt Lake City. And I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv and uh, this week we're going to be talking about memory management in iOS. Scary. Yeah. (laughs) So I understand that it's it's a lot easier now because you just turn on the automatic reference counter and it takes care of it. Yeah, for the most part, uh, a lot of the the stuff you needed to know in the past is handled for you, but that doesn't really obviate the need to know. You still need to know how it works. Yeah, you may still run into open source code that's using the old way, or you got to understand bridging if you're using core foundation, etc. Yeah, the other thing I understand about automatic reference counting is that it doesn't just magically do you know the the releases and stuff. It actually just when you compile it inserts them uh, into your code. Right. I mean, this is a fundamental difference between reference counting and garbage collection. And garbage collection is certainly handier from a development perspective. You don't really have to think about it too much. You just stop pointing to objects and they'll get collected later on. Unfortunately, it has some, um, you know, unpredictable performance implications, especially on an embedded device. And so Apple has chosen to go to completely deprecate garbage collection and it was never never possible to do that on the iPhone so you'd have to manage your own memory uh, and do reference counting and so that means uh, when you create an object you own a reference to it and uh, then you need to call release later on and if you didn't create the object but somebody else say uh, retrieve this object via method call or something else and you wanted it to stick around for the life cycle of your your object, you would have to call retain on it. And of course, anything that you retain, you would also have to release. So it was just kind of a, a bit of, um, it was a little bit scary for me first coming into Objective-C just because I hadn't done C in a long time. And, you know, you have the same problem with C where you malloc and you free mm-hmm. memory, right? So anyway, uh, it turned out to not be that big of a deal, honestly. Just once you follow the rules, it just becomes second nature. Yeah, so let me back up just a little bit and explain what what we're talking about here. So garbage collection, basically what happens is you tell the, well, through the programming language, you tell the um, operating system to allocate a certain amount of memory for your object. And then when you're done uh, and and the object goes out of scope, and in most cases, this is automatic with the higher level languages. But anyway, when the object goes out of scope, then there's a process or a thread that comes through and cleans up anything that is out of scope and therefore isn't being used anymore. Um, the problem is is that the garbage collection algorithms aren't always the most efficient, and sometimes there are other side effects to the way that they work. With reference counting, what happens is when, when you call retain in iOS, for example, it, it basically says now there are two places that are uh, saying that they care about this object. And then you call retain again, and it goes to three. And then when you call release, then it goes back down to two. And when it goes back down to zero, then it clean then it cleans it up, clears it out of memory. Is that more or less the way that it works? Yep. Yeah. And yeah. So, so if you if you get it wrong, one of two things will happen: you either over retain or you over release. And the the first problem is harder to debug because your app will still work. Right, you're you're just keeping on to memory for a lot longer than you should, and that memory will never get cleaned up until your application gets killed. Um, the other problem is if you over-release, it will crash right then and there because uh, your objects go away uh, when you still expect them to be there, and so your program crashes and then you fix it. So yeah. it's really you know it's 
it's easier to get it wrong where you over retain. And the, for people who are newer to programming, when you hold on to an object that you no longer need and you do this frequently enough, we call this a memory leak. And basically the concern there is, is that as you pile more and more stuff up into memory, eventually you will run out. And then when, when you try and allocate some, something else into memory and you don't have any more space for it, then whatever programming is, whatever program is trying to allocate that may crash or hang or both. Yeah, and so on the iOS, if if your program needs memory, it will start, or sorry, if the device uh, is low on memory and your program needs memory, then it will tell other applications that we're receiving a memory warning and that they have a chance to release things that they're hanging on to that they could uh, easily create again. Uh, so like if you were holding on to some kind of uh, uh, contents from a file on disk in memory as a dictionary or something, and then you got that memory warning you could just release that object and then next time viewed load gets called or whatever, you could just read it from disk again. So it gives you an opportunity to, to free up stuff in the case of memory pressure. So do you write that kind of thing into your programs where if you get a request from another program that says we're getting a memory warning, you, you tell it what kinds of things it can let go? Uh, yeah, so this used to be super important uh, when the devices didn't have very much memory and all the time we'd get these memory warnings and it would change the behavior of our application because you, well, either the program would crash because it just can't allocate enough memory or we wouldn't do it correctly, right? So like if you release something that you expect to be around later. Um, so, you know, a couple of years ago, this was of paramount importance. Nowadays, it's a little bit easier to be lazy and not release memory um, just because the devices have more of it. Yeah, I try to do it with like, you know, temporary objects like images or even views that you, I can reload or, or whatever. But like Ben said, nowadays you don't have to worry too much about it. And, yeah, and it really influences your design. So um, if there's something that you have that's somewhat expensive to create and you create that thing, let's say you create it in like a view did load. So later on, if you remove it in a memory warning, you have to make sure that that thing gets created again. So extracting the initialization of that object somewhere else so that you can call it multiple times can can be handy, but I think even better is to use uh, lazy initialization. So you declare this object as a property, and then you override the getter of the property, and you check to see if your backing instance variable is nil first. And if it's nil, then you go ahead and create it and return it. Mm-hmm. And uh, by doing that, anywhere in your program, like in the did receive memory warning uh, block, you can just nil out those things, and then they'll get recreated next time they're accessed. So you don't have to worry about the view lifecycle or anything like that. That's a handy trick. Yeah, it works really well. Now, is, is that something that uh, most people do, or is that just a trick that you, you guys have kind of come to on your own? That's a good question. I mean, we do it at, you know my, on my team, but it's just because we're all talking about uh, how to write software better, right? Uh, and we all share ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, in general, pretty good design, though. Extract things, do lazy initialization. You know, well-factored Objective-C code doesn't, kind of resembles well-factored Ruby code, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So um, I do the same type of thing in Ruby. You know, when refactoring, uh, just extract methods so that when you create something, it, you know, nil assigns it into a variable or whatever. Um, it makes it really easy to uh, to extract known concepts of your code. That makes sense. I, I kind of wanted to ask another question really quickly, and that was, I remember back in the bad old days when I was writing C in college, 
Um, sometimes you would malloc something and then you would move through several different scopes and then it was hard to find a reference to the object in order to free it. Do you ever run into the same kind of thing with uh, uh, retain and release? Uh, I mean, you always have a pointer to it, right? It's either you know an IVAR or it's a local variable or it's a property. It seems like you always have a reference to that object. Yeah, the more I think about it, the more I realize that I probably just had poorly written my code, and I needed <laughs> to uh, I needed to basically free it at the last point that uh, I had a reference to it. Right. I remember my old C days, and there were much more memory problems with free and malloc than there ever was with release and retain in Objective C. Yeah, I mean, one of the problems, like even with C, is you have a lot of functions that create stuff for you. Right, and so then uh, when you when you're handed back the object, you are uh, you have to own it, right? And so um, having that uh, malloc happen in one place and free happen in another seems very unbalanced, yes. right? So um, you know, in Objective C, the the rules are if you alloc or init new or copy something. So if the method you're calling to create create it uh, starts with init new or copy. Uh, then you own the retain count and you're responsible for releasing it. But if you retrieve it through any other means, like the factory method I just mentioned, the lazy initialize property, that object does not belong to you and it is known to be auto-released, which I like as a pattern in general because it it allows me to just call a method, you know, extract the creation of some stuff into a method and have that method returned, and I don't need to worry about releasing it. But to do that, I have to call auto-release just before returning from the method. And uh, so what that does is it adds the object to the auto-release pool, and on the next clock cycle, um, it will, or on the next run loop, rather, um, it will drain the auto-release pool and release all the objects. So it's kind of like a temporary, uh, a, a temporary, say, you know, release this later. And the calling code has a chance to retain it again themselves if they want it to stay around. But usually you just use the object and continue on. So these are kind of short-lived objects that you only need for say one iteration of your method or whatever yeah and if I needed it to stay around then I just uh, say retain or you know and more and more common these days is to use uh, properties in your implementation file in the class continuation at the top so it's a way to declare private properties and um, if you mark the property as uh, retain in pre-arc days and strong in arc days then you don't have to worry about retaining it. You just set the pointer and it handles the memory management for you. And later on, you just have to set it to nil to release it. So once you fully released an object, does it immediately re uh, remove it from memory? Or is there some kind of garbage collection on the back end that you just don't have any visibility into? Yeah, I mean, you could watch this happen. You could uh, set a breakpoint in Dialic and watch when it, when it gets called. So as soon as you're... Uh, retain count goes to zero, meaning you've released the last reference to the object. Dialic gets called right then and there. So you're, okay. you have a lot more control over, uh, like object allocation and deallocation takes time. And if you were to do this in a tight loop, you would start to notice it affecting performance. Uh, so if you just moved uh, dialic somewhere else, uh, or sorry, your last release somewhere else, you can actually um, see what that does to your, your memory profile and, and how it affects the CPU. Oh, interesting. So one of the one of the ways you would see this happen, like game uh, in game development, since the you have um, basically 16 milliseconds to completely do all updates in your game and redraw everything uh, in order to finish and draw the scene, so that the next time you draw it again, you're running at 60 frames per second. So you have 
I think it's 16.7 milliseconds. So if allocating 10 or 20 or 100 objects takes some of that time, you know, you're going to really care about this performance. And you might not think that that's so important in business apps, except on the iPhone, when you're scrolling your table views, uh, you can easily get 60 frames a second when scrolling that. And object allocation is really expensive, and you'll notice it hiccup as that happens. And so, you know, table view, they introduced the, uh, the reuse queue. Uh, so you only create your cells once uh, for each cell that is visible on the screen. And then they just go into a, a reuse queue when they go off screen. And the one that just comes on the screen, it's about to be appeared, gets dequeued from that, from that uh, list. And so then so you can see probably 12 rows at a time. You probably only have 13 total objects in that queue. And you can, you can use that to uh, speed through thousands of rows of content because you're just not doing that memory allocation and deallocation while it's trying to animate. That makes sense. So what do you get from Arc then? It's kind of the best of both worlds. I mean, you, you have automatic memory management and you have the performance. What do you mean? Is it not doing the same thing that... that, that I regular? think you, you mean best of both worlds with, with respect to garbage collection and manual memory management, right? Correct, right. So uh, we said that we don't have garbage collection on iOS. So, yeah, so what this does is I mentioned that there are some rules to to um, retain and release. Like, if I own the object, I have to release it. And if I don't own the object, I only retain it if I want it to stay around. And if I retain it, then I own it and I have to release it. And so all these rules became s- such strict rules that um, Apple eventually released a, a static analyzer that you can use. If you hit Command-B to build an Xcode, you hit Command-Shift-B to build and analyze. And um, the analyzer will tell you where your memory leaks are. And it was tuned to be uh, so that everything it tells you is actionable. Uh, Like it might miss a few edge cases here and there where it can't figure it out. But everything that it tells you, you can act on it and fix a memory leak. So it'll point you and say, hey, you allocated this object up here and you didn't release it down here. uh, So you probably want release here or you probably want auto release here. And because it could do that, it had the smarts to do that, they eventually just baked those smarts into the compiler so that uh, when you compile, it just stitches in those retain, release, auto-release where they're needed, and uh, you don't really have to think about it. So, uh, you know, I'll I'll slap a huge caveat on there. It's really important that you know what it's doing for you under the hood because uh, this is not garbage collection, so it's possible to introduce... um, Yeah, it's still possible to introduce memory leaks and it's still possible to crash. You just have to understand what Arc's doing for you, and then you just kind of don't need to write that code. So if you find that Arc is doing the wrong thing, and causing you memory memory leaks and what have you, can you still call release yourself? No. Yeah, that's a compiler warning. Those those keywords are removed from the langu- 